um, we had what was known as accelerated reader as kind of guiding the mm. books that you would pick and that you you know you would be assessed on um, with a quiz that nobody really knew. Oh, the you should see my to. face right now. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> you should see totally. how he's cringing. No, here. absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hallway Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers. I'm Abby DeGroat. And I'm Dave Mulder. Hey, before we begin, we just want to mention that we love your feedback, so Please continue to drop us a line and say hello. Tell us where you're listening in the world. Um, share any ideas or notice or wonders, things we can do to make our show um, better. We just love to hear from you. So please send feedback to hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. That's hallwayconvospod at gmail.com. Abigail DeGroote, I believe you are responsible for bringing the topic today. And I know this is a topic near and dear to your heart. So why don't you share with yeah. us? Well, we're going to talk um, a little bit today about reading in classrooms, specifically, I think, older students reading mm -hmm. in classrooms. Dave and I both saw the same tweet, I believe, in yeah. the last couple of days that just wondered, mm -hmm. does free reading have a place in middle school, high school? Yeah. What, what does that look like? How would that impact students' reading abilities, even their mental health, right, just to have space and time in their day to read and having taught high school students I also know it is not a popular activity <laughs> right that's interesting say more about that uh, it there are students who really loved to read who I interacted with sure. the vast majority did not fall into that category mm. and um our friend Gwen, who teaches um, with us in this department, and I, we teach adolescent and children's literature, and we always start our semester here at Dort with um, having students write a little bit about their reading history, mm. and specifically their history in school with reading, and sure. their reading experiences in school, and we were actually writing a grant proposal on it right now to study the connection between students' school experiences with reading and their mm. attitude toward reading as college students or yeah. as adults and we feel like there's a strong connection there yeah. um, between their often negative mm. experiences with reading in school um, and their attitude towards reading as college students. That's Abby what's your what's your hypothesis as to or your inkling as to why so many students I think most you correct me if I'm wrong when they're younger love, enjoy, appreciate reading, and then at some point, despise, don't <laughs> like, reject. Um, the thought of reading is just absolutely, like, it just sends a shiver up right, the spine. Right. Like, what happens along the way? Yeah, and I think there's always going to be a subset of students who, for whom reading is very difficult. Sure. Right? Yeah, and yeah. I think we have to acknowledge that as well um, for a vast variety of reasons but I think you're right in that a lot of students enjoy it early on and I think part of it is the culture I think the culture of a school the culture of a home um, as one may imagine my home is very reading friendly sure. right? Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. everyone don't drop your coffee cup right like 
Um, but I have tons of books. My husband is yeah. an avid reader, actually, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. My kids and I read together. We're very interested. I mean, it's it's a it's a good thing to do at my house. Yeah. Right. Um, it's encouraged. They see other adults in their life reading. It's always been um, a thing. Um, I think schools can have good cultures of reading, and I think schools can have negative cultures of reading. I think that makes a big difference. Um, do people recommend books to each other? Mm. Are there opportunities for you to talk about what you're reading? Um, I do have to give a shout out. My kids at school did a summer reading kind of send home sheets. And one of the things on there is asking them to read and review books for other kids. I think that's a great practice, yeah. right? Like write a book down and five stars. What did you like about this? Yeah. Um, I hope they use those and I hope they post them somewhere. Oh, and yeah share with each other to get good book ideas, right? My girls will tell you, they have huge long lists of books that they can recommend to friends. That's a great, if you ever run into them on the street, (laughs) engage them in conversation, right? Seriously though, that's a powerful idea to get kids to share with each other. Hey, I read this book and here's what I liked about it. And you should read this one too, because, right? Yes. So, So I think culture has a lot to do with it. I think choice has a lot to do with it. I think as kids get older, there's a lot more structure yeah. around what they're reading, which mm-hmm. I we can get into this later, but I think there should be a balance between whole class reads and independent reading, mm-hmm. but there has to be some independent reading, yeah. right? There has yeah. to be some element of choice. I also think we as English teachers, and I'm one of them, so I take also, I'm part of this, right? And I, I taught this way, right? We, we kill it with worksheets and with assignments and with mm-hmm. chapters and pieces and quizzes and assessments and it's not a whole thing right yeah, it's yeah. not a it's not a for the joy of discovering mm. an idea as much as it is because and we touched on this in our last episode we need a grade in the grade book for yeah, right 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 yeah right how yeah. do you grade reading oh. And that's such a great question that you raised because right. then is this about that again, right? Like what, yes. what are we, what are we trying so, to achieve? So I think that kills yeah. the love. Mm-hmm. Um, at the high school level, some of the curriculum that we ask students to read in English class, and again, I'm guilty of this, right? I taught American Lit. Yeah. Well, I have yet to find a 17 year old student who is enamored with Thoreau, <laughs> right? Also shocking. <laughs> yeah. I just, like yeah. I worked hard to sell it, right, right? right? And I tried to make connections, but it's just it's not accessible. And I'm not saying not to teach Thoreau. I think there are ways to teach Thoreau, yeah, but I also sure. think you need to scaffold it. These kids haven't picked up a book on their own mm. in how many years, and then we put Thoreau in front of them, yeah. right? Yeah, and great so, starting place. And yeah. so they're without a lot of help and scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. it becomes, and then they just shut down. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a lot easier to just disengage right. at that point. Um, yeah, no, two things. So, so that, those ahead. are some of my ideas about, yeah, yeah. about why. No, so also recovering high school, as a recovering high school English teacher, mm-hmm. I think about, um, so this, again, my own story is <clears throat> teaching in a school that had 75-minute blocks instead of 45-minute mm-hmm. blocks. Um, so, so first of all, there's a practical, Hey, I got 75 minutes for this English class Mm -hmm. instead of, um, 45 minutes. Like I got to get, like, I got to get everything done in 45 minutes, you know? So now you want to give time to read in a class. And I, like, I can, I'm thinking as a teacher, right? How could I give, well, that's how much, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Well, now I'm down to 20, 25 minutes to teach. Or like, I could feel, I can just feel the anxiety Mm -hmm. building in me of all the things I have to do in quotation marks in a year. Well, 
we made a decision as an English department with these 75-minute blocks that every, and we would meet um, every other day, um, that the first 20 minutes in every English class in the high school, the first 20 minutes of every class was free reading. So we would say, we're going to give you time to do this. Now, I loved the idea. Um, when we started that, um, we had what was known as accelerated reader as kind of guiding the mm -hmm. books that you would pick and that you, you know, you would be assessed on. Um, with a quiz that nobody really knew. Oh, the you should see my to. face right now. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> you should see. Totally. How he's cringing. No, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And as I got more familiar with Accelerated Reader, um, I I just naturally started allowing students to find books that interested them, whether they were on Accelerated Reader or not. And, and, and we actually started doing things like, oh, like maybe instead of taking a quiz, what would a book talk look like? Which was fascinating because mm. now you actually have students talking about mm. literature rather than just answering 10 questions that have nothing to do with anything um, that just basically tend to that basically assess content knowledge. But what I loved about it was, and, and we gave, a, I gave, I tried to give space there. So for some... It was reading a graphic novel. For others, it was reading Thoreau, right? Or it was mm -hmm. reading. Sure. And it just basically said, read read something you love. I can remember a student walking in with Calvin and Hobbes one day. Mm -hmm. That's If that's what you need today and that's where you're at. Um, because in the end, the, the goal, I think the goal for us was we just want you to and you don't even have to love reading, just to enjoy it and read, to know that there are things out there that can that connect with you, whether that's Thoreau or Calvin and Hobbes are reading um, a hockey encyclopedia, just something something that, that you love. I love that, just that sense of choice and, and to normalize, like, hey, as long as you're reading, like, because yeah. I'm thinking of I, some of the kids that I taught in middle school over the years who were struggling readers, who for yeah. whom... 20 minutes of reading, that yeah. would just about kill them for, yeah. for some of the kids I taught, right? And so if we could normalize that, hey, we're all going to spend time reading, but yeah. we're all reading what we want to read, and yeah. if it's going to be a hockey encyclopedia, okay. Yeah. Like, whatever whatever your thing is, yeah. just make that okay. Yeah. And it and doesn't I, have to be quality literature every time, right? Right, and I do think there's room for scaffolding to quality literature. Well, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. and ways for teachers to encourage students to read outside of their comfort zones yeah. and to increase complexity, but there has to be a culture of yeah. reading mm -hmm. in order for that to happen. And I also think there can be systems in place where yeah. we have a very like yeah. dedicated 20 minute time that actually falls apart right. when right. the culture is not there yeah. and it's not scaffolded mm -hmm. or there's not genuine accountability. And I also think kids can smell when we don't trust them to do what we're asking them to yeah. do, like yeah. with an yeah. accelerated reader test, right? Yeah. Yeah. And no. so then we're back to compliance yeah. versus yeah. Right. actual yeah. choice. And those accelerator they're tricky. Yeah. They're, they're oh. not looking for understanding oh, the theme like of a book. They're looking details. for like, did you understand this vocabulary yeah. word on yeah. page seven? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Friends, if you have that's a, not what we want students to take away. No. Friends, if you have accelerated reader at your school, I just, I ask you to look at what the research says mm -hmm. that that does and take, for students. Take the quizzes. Yeah, and take the <laughs> yeah. on a book that you've read. On a book that you've read, you know, <laughs> just 
ask just ask the question like why are we why are we doing what we're doing and and why don't we trust students to read for you know in different ways and be assessed differently okay i have a question because i am not the english teacher in the room here too and abby a couple times have alluded to like how do we scaffold towards reading something Mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about like what what would that look like right so so actually something i talk about in my english methods class which is when i teach our students here at, at dort to become english teachers it's the class they take um we have a text that talks a lot about Um, the balance between whole class novels and independent reading. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of, and I wish I would have known about this when I taught high school. I always think I should go back, right? Um, But can we teach a skill, a reading skill, or um, something that, an interpretive skill, right? Or um, something as a whole class where we can use a book that we're all reading in common. Um, and can we learn those things that we're focusing on derived from standards, right? We should be able to, um, like imagery, for example, right? So how does the author use imagery to communicate a message, right? In this book. So if we can focus on that in a, in a whole class text, we can do that. We can work on it together and then students can choose maybe in a book club, maybe independently a novel that also has some of those same elements and practice those skills Mm -hmm independently in those books and so instead of just being in an in an english class a free-for-all student choice maybe there is controlled choice Mm -hmm. where we say we're working on this skill here's the set of books Mm -hmm. from a wide range of interests and ability even reading levels Mm -hmm. where we're all going to work on this skill that we just learned all together yeah right so that's one way of thinking about scaffolding I, I love that because I'm thinking mm-hmm. immediately back to my American lit class yeah. when I was in high school and I had a masterful teacher, Greg Schertzma. I don't think you'd ever listen to the podcast, but thank you for being the teacher you were. Okay. Um, and we, we did that, right? We were mm-hmm. reading early American literature or, you know, I read Moby Dick. I did mm. not enjoy Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. I'll just name that. Right. Yeah. And it was a slog. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he had a way of structuring the way we would talk about what we were learning about as mm-hmm. we were reading the book to help us see things that I never would have picked up on mm-hmm. myself, right? And and then to take that to read other novels later on in the course um, where like, oh, okay, but we learned this when we mm-hmm. read Moby Dick. And I could kind of think, so I'm reading something by James Mishner, you know, much more contemporary uh, author, much mm-hmm. later in the course. Oh, okay. And so when I'm reading Tales from the South Pacific, like I can, I can yeah, use some of those Even the way that authors use time, right? right? Yeah. Or flashbacks, or mm-hmm. the difference between a limited first-person account versus an omniscient third-person account, and yeah. why would an author choose one or the other, and just thinking about things because we're more seasoned about as English teachers, right? We're more experienced in knowing why authors make those moves and being able to pick them out Mm -hmm. and just kind of apprenticing students on, oh, that's why, or that's maybe why they did this, or Mm -hmm. I didn't notice this connection before, right? And instilling some of that wonder so that they can discover that in in books on their own. And I just think think then reading becomes different. Like you just, you understand it, you Mm -hmm. understand it, like, Hey, maybe here's the reason behind it. You start noticing that. You start, yeah. And I think I think it empowers you actually as a reader, right? I think I think so much of um, there's all kinds of different struggles with reading, but I think one of the struggles is is simply you're you're not sure. 
yeah, like you're not sure well, why why is the author doing what he's doing? Like I have no like I'm, and I just think that the more you can help students scaffold and deepen their understanding, mm -hmm. um, not just of the content but even of of how a story is structured. I just think you enjoy mm -hmm. reading, just like when you watch a movie, right? The yeah. more you the more you watch and you understand a director's, um, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a decision they make, it's like, oh, like, it just opens up possibilities. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's part of the work of, of when you're teaching reading is, yeah, like, understand the content and understand how to read, but also when you begin to understand the why behind it, I just think it opens up whole new worlds and, and you appreciate it in, in so many different ways. Uh -huh. Dave, my question for you is, so you mentioned, hey, the, the why or the teacher behind that helped you understand yeah. that love of reading. How do you um, use reading or like we talk about cross-curricularly or... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Can you just talk about that a little bit or about the importance of that? Of, of drawing on uh, yeah. literacy across, yeah. across the across curriculum. The so curriculum. here again, I'm, I'm not an, any expert on this, but I, I had a silly example that comes to mind immediately for me when you asked that yeah. question. I liked teaching with picture books yeah. uh, when I was a middle school Which science teacher. Which is an excellent idea. And, and I would do class read-alouds of picture books more mm -hmm. often. And, and one of my very favorites, you're going to, I'm sorry, uh, I apologize in advance. Um, when I was teaching the digestive system to, to eighth graders, uh, I, I found a book called The Gas We Pass, The Story of Farts. Mm -hmm. And it's a picture book that explains Perfect. what farts are, why they, why do we fart, all of that. And the kids were just dying because I'm reading this picture book aloud right. to them. But I defy you, if you go find these kids, and they're 30 years old today, yeah. right? They will remember that we read that, and it caught them in a, in a weird, wonderful way. And I think that that kind of stuff matters, yeah. too. Like, could, could I have used some kind of a science-related uh, trade book, you know, a chapter book or something like that, and draw from that as a cross-curricular way to yeah. build interest? I, I think yeah. so. I think that yeah. there's something about story and narrative structures yeah. that draws kids in, um, and in a way that cold, hard facts just hmm. don't ever... Yeah. So, so I wonder about that, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think that there's definitely, well, I guess it comes to the point that you were making too, Abby. It's, it can be a both and here, right? Mm -hmm. There's a time to teach discrete skills and, yeah. and to, to help students learn how to do that, that yeah. kind of cognitive yeah. apprenticeship we were talking about, but then also opportunities for them to have a choice and a voice in what they're yeah. learning about and what they're taking away from it. Content knowledge is actually really important in reading skills. Right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Just so, to make sense of what you're reading. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so, like, you'll see some elementary schools who will cut out science or social studies to focus on reading, which is counterintuitive. Because yeah. in order to understand what you're reading, you need background knowledge. Yeah. And yeah. taking out the content from whatever it is does nothing yeah. for your reading skills. Right. right? Yeah. And so it is a both and. You need mm -hmm. content and you need the skills. Yeah. To, to read what you're what you're doing and so reading widely across subject areas mm -hmm. having those subjects yeah. all of that matters to yeah, and I think I think for me the encouragement is like you know we've referenced being English teachers but I think teaching reading is not limited to English teachers like we are yeah, all right. and that was the kind of the yeah. reason behind my question Dave is is we all we all have a responsibility to teach reading and a love for reading. Just like we're all, as an English teacher, it doesn't make me not a science teacher or not caring about sure. science. And and how can how can science enhance the reading in in my classroom? Like like we have we have to support each other, and we have to even though we're in a silo as an English teacher, 
that doesn't mean we shouldn't see ourselves as not social studies teachers yeah, or math right. teachers. Well, it was one of my favorite examples of that. So when I was the tech director, my office was right off the library at our school. And when I'd have fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth graders in the library, they're there to pick out books and, and stuff. I would always come out of my office and talk to them about what books they were reading. Oh, you like this one? Yeah. Here, I got one for you. Yeah. And I could sit it because I read a lot of kid lit and young okay. adolescent lit yeah. um, to just know what they were reading and to be able to give those kinds of recommendations. Yeah. It's like, oh, I know that you love this topic in history, yeah. you should read this book, right? Yeah. And to be able to put a book into kids' hands that way, yeah. and then to be able to follow up with them a week or so later and say, hey, how was that? Oh my goodness, Mr. Walter, this is such a great story, right? And like, what a delightful thing that yeah. is to share a book with somebody else. And that's the kind of culture you want. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you not to put you on the spot, and, and Dave spoke a little to that. If, if you were to give one or two things, recommendations, you know, a person comes up to you and, and says, we just need to change the culture around reading in our school. Like, it, it can it can be better. Is there a couple things that come to mind that say, even if they're little moves, just little things that a, that a school or, or even in a classroom, I want to have a better culture of reading within in my classroom. Is there a couple things that you'd say, here's a couple of small things you can do that might help? Yeah, I think part of it, speaking to Dave is have somebody who knows a lot of books, right? Yeah. And can connect kids mm -hmm. with something mm -hmm. and have that available, mm -hmm. right? Have those freely available in the library, on the shelves of classrooms, mm -hmm. um, accessible, know what's out there, mm -hmm. be well read, be able to talk to kids and, mm -hmm. and connect them with something that interests them, I think is huge. Um, and then I'd say, work on genuine, not coerced, not forced, like people who are excited about their own mm. reading and mm. somehow present that, right? Mm. Um, I used to have coaches come in and talk mm. about like something mm. that they read, oh, yeah. right? Or other well-known mm. or, you know, put somebody in front of them to talk about a book yeah. that might spark an interest yeah. in a student. Have students who have read something be willing to share, right? Yeah. Word of mouth, right? Yeah. Um, things that they've read and give them genuine, authentic opportunities to do that where they're not being forced to for a grade, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, that kind of thing can catch on. Friends, we know your time is valuable. I wanna thank you for joining us today for another Hallway Conversation. Whether this day, this week, this month, we hope the Lord gives you what you stand in need of. As you go into this week, we want to send you with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace, give you peace, and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good week. This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual hallway conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. Abby, one or two of your your favorite books. Oh, you can't ask me that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't okay, I'm coming okay. back to you. 